The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you have read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. They're wonderful. And then come back to us. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled. And that's your choice in this world. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about Plum Velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about Harry Potter. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a podcast where two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount, Griffin Dyke extraordinaire. And today, you are listening to the second part of our discussion of chapters 7 and 8, The Sorting Hat and the Potions Master. So... The main episode on these chapters was what you heard last week. This is the mini episode of those chapters. I actually haven't finished splitting the episodes up at the time of us recording this intro, so I don't actually know if it's mini. It might be a full hour long, in which case it's just the second episode of our discussion of chapters (laughs) seven and eight, because we can talk forever about Harry Potter. (laughs) You know, it turns out, actually. So let's get into this week's newspaper. Welcome to the education section, where, clearly, we're going to talk about education. This is very exciting for me now that we're actually at Hogwarts and we can talk about what, in reality, is a not great education these young people get attending Hogwarts in a variety of ways. Like, people who are like, oh man, I wish I could get my Hogwarts letter. No, you don't. You don't want to go to Hogwarts. Like... No, I would never. I Don't do would it. literally never. Yeah, I guess if it's cool with you, my first thing is is like really immediate in the entrance to Hogwarts. So I guess I I would like to start with um their like school introduction is horrible. When you start at a new school, you get you know. It's like starting at college. You have to like go for like three days of orientation where they like show you where everything is and teach you what the rules are and, you know, show you around and tell you what the expectations are and let you put your shit in your dorm room and whatever. Literally, they show up. McGonagall talks to them for maybe five minutes. They get sorted and that is it. That's all that they get let's see she this is what they get this is what sorting is this is what houses are this is how house points work nope that's it (laughs) that's that's the whole thing that's their orientation you're right the like lack of additional information about what you're getting into is terrifying if i was a parent and I was a muggle, and it's like, here's stuff at the school. I'm like, okay, cool. What are, what is the curriculum? What is, like, all of this information? And it's like, they'll see what breaks in the summertime. See ya. And it's like, no. 
There's not even a map. Yeah. They don't even hand these kids a fucking map of the school. Yeah, it's so... Like, with the level of anxiety that I have, if I was dropped into that situation, it was like, there is no orientation. Good fucking luck. I don't even know what would happen to me. I would, like, just stay in my bed. And, like, the, the, like, first thing you do when you walk, basically the first thing you do when you walk into the school is you're sitting on a chair in front of the whole school and putting a, like, talking hat on your head? No! I would be like... Yeah. That's my next, <laughs> my next note is they get sorted in front of everyone that's fucked. I would probably have an anxiety attack and start crying. Totally. <laughs> I mean, thank God the hat is too big for their heads and covers their eyes so that hopefully people don't know right. that you're crying. But oh Also, God. I know this is a magical item, but this is literally how children get lice. Is they're all sharing this fucking yeah. hat. <laughs> no disabilities and no lice in the witching world. God. I was just thinking about it and I'm uh, like... <laughs> oh, I know. Uh like, seriously, though, I have terrible anxiety that leaves me shaking for, like, half an hour when I'm in situations where you have to, like, go around a circle and tell everyone your name and, like, where you live. So if it was, like, go sit on this stool in front of the entire school, I would I would not make it to my table after being sorted. Like, I would probably collapse on the floor. It's not kind. I want to hope that in that scenario that, like, McGonagall has Harry carry children out into, like, the other the, the other antechamber and, like, you get some cocoa and it's like, all right, you can just hang out here, eat this sandwich, we'll get you to your common room later. I mean, I hope so, considering there's no fucking guidance counselors or whatever the fuck at Hogwarts either. I and, know. like... But then everyone still saw that yeah. happen to you. Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of my notes are about, like, honestly, the bulk of my notes for education is about not only like is about sorting and how like incredibly flawed and fucked up it is, and at least in practice in the series. Like, I guess like it could be cool, um, just because like. If you're going to throw these kids into a situation and, like, many information, it's good for them to have, like, people in, like, a common area where it's like, oh, this is your school family, you know? But it just gets so... Like, I feel like 90% of the conflict in this book is because of fucking people being sorted into houses when they're 11 and that basically dictating the entire course of their lives. When you're 11! Yeah. When you're fucking 11! You don't know what the fuck you're going to be like when you're 11! No, it's, it's just like, that's how, like, you have a, a family, a, I mean, again, I haven't gone to, like, a college where there's dorm rooms or whatever, but I feel like that's kind of like, you know the people in your dorm, but you're not, like, placed in your dorm based on, like, oh, like, you're evil, or, like, <laughs> you're smarter than everyone. It's just sort of, like, random, right? Yeah. Or even... I don't know, like, the way that they make, like, the cabin placements at A camp is, like, you have shared interests as opposed to we're going to, like, blanket quality, 
there's only four kinds of people. <laughs> you know? I would much rather, like, the cabin we got placed in at a camp was, you all like Harry Potter. <laughs> you know, good job. Accurate. And that, but that we were all very different people, right? With yeah. different interests. It was just, there was this one thing. So it was like, for sure, you'll have stuff to talk about. Here's some folks to hang out with, but not like some of you are cunning and ambitious and will use any means to achieve your ends. <laughs> Again, so you're terrible. like, also, you're 11, you're a literal child. Like, what? What the f- like? What the uh, fuck? Yeah, I hate it. I really, honestly, so I've been thinking about it, and I feel like the best course of action would be, and in my like, in my like ultimate like envisioning slash headcanon of what Neville ends up doing in his adult life is that he eventually becomes headmaster, and is like, you know what? Fuck this sorting system. Yeah. But also, like, even if you want to keep it, which obviously a lot of people have a lot of feelings about this in the wizarding world, you could just be like, okay, you know what? We're not going to sort until the kids are, like, 15. So you have, like, four years to, like, you know, make relationships with other students that's not based on being smart, evil, brave, or miscellaneous. And, um... They are described as, uh, hardworking... They get more than they get in future descriptions here. You know, Hufflepuffs. They do get more in the true book. and unafraid of toil. Sorry, there's this like meme that's like, so you have four kinds of kids: like brave, smart, evil, miscellaneous. And then it's like, okay, I'm listening. Yeah, that's a reference to that. I, I agree I with do. you, <laughs> and I think that this is the only time really that we get a a more specific description of what Hufflepuff is, because the rest of it is like said Hufflepuff, I'll take the rest and treat them just the same. Yeah. <laughs> just how you should teach children. Yeah. Just like, god yeah. damn it. Yeah, it's like, that should be the first four years. So then when you get sorted, you're not just like, oh, I hate everyone except for my fellow Ravenclaws. It's like, oh, well, I know fucking all these kids and now they're in different houses, but we're still all have made like relationships together. So like, I don't have to be like, oh, well, you're not smart enough. So fuck you. Um, yeah, like, this whole thing is just... I I also feel like it would be good if they just had maybe... So there's what... I feel like using Harry's class size as the basis, there's around 80 kids per house. So what if they doubled the number of dorms, and there were just eight dorms, and it was sort of just random, you know, hopefully things were like you have things in common with some of your dorm mates but like kind of just like luck of the draw like in muggle you know systems like that yeah and it was i don't know and then like a couple common areas out in the school where you could like go meet up with your friends and you weren't always trapped in your dorm rooms yeah the fact that there's not even a common common area besides being outside of the library you can meet up with people who aren't who are in who are like in other houses is like it's just so ridiculous it's like what a ridiculous way to basically base your society on. And they have this giant fucking castle and whatever 80 times 4 is kids, which is less than 400. Mm-hmm. 
so there's a shitload of empty rooms. Why aren't any of those like chill spaces for for people to hang out in? Yeah. I mean, I would assume that there are children who are using them as chill spaces because there seems to be a ton of like empty classrooms everywhere, which is like maybe then move some of the classes not up a bajillion stairs, but whatever. <laughs> so I hope that like kids are hanging out like, you know, other classrooms and outside and stuff. I mean, we get mention of other clubs sort of in book five that aren't just Quidditch, which also exacerbates the sort of like rivalry between houses. And I'm just like, you guys, you right. fucking guys, you've been in like two wars over this bullshit. Like fucking learn your lesson. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also have sort of to relate this back to education. House points mean literally nothing and do nothing. They're all appointed arbitrarily. There's no any kind of standardization of like what gets you house points and what doesn't get you house points. It's basically just like favoritism. And it's especially like Especially not with fucking Snape. Especially. <laughs> and like everyone does well, everyone like like Dumbledore also does this shit. It's not Snape does it the worst. Let's be real. But like Dumbledore's that shit. McGonagall seems to be more fair with that, but like it does seem to be like whatever the fuck I want to do is what I and it's like and it's like what is the point of this? Like, what is it supposed to teach you? It doesn't do anything. It's just, like, fucking completely well, arbitrary. If the teachers were better. Yeah, Hogwarts has... I mean... Like, there, there again, there's, like, no, like, teaching standard. And I'm like, you guys, these are your... This is the fucking future. Like, come on. You've been <laughs> in, like, two wars in 12 years. Like, this is fucking why. So, or at least get some... Well, the second war hasn't started yet. Yeah. I mean, this is the beginning of the Second War, though. So, yeah. the pre I feel like pre-war. so much of the last ten minutes of us talking has mostly been just both of us sitting here shaking our heads. Like, we're like, it's terrible. It's just terrible. Yeah. Regarding the houses, the Sorting Hat tells Harry, Slytherin could help you on your way to greatness, no doubt about that. And I don't get it. Actually, don't get any of what, how any of the houses help the kids do anything at all. It's not like they get, like, extra lessons in bravery Mm -hmm. because they're in Gryffindor. So what does it mean that Slytherin could help him on his way to greatness? Also, how would it help him on his way to greatness? Because I feel like if I was an employer... And someone was like, I was in Slytherin. That would tell me a lot about them. And if there was another equally qualified candidate or close to equally qualified candidate, I would probably not be choosing the person who had been in Slytherin. I mean, I think that I bet happens a lot. And I think that is, I think that's part of it because like, and I think the the Slytherins especially are very like, tight knit and kind of keep to them like keep it all within like other Slytherins so it would be like they would help you they would support you 100% in you know nepotism blah blah of or Slytherin nepotism I also actually have a question if part of that is because of that little bit of Voldemort's soul in Harry because he has the yeah I think it is and my question wasn't really like why would Harry be placed in Slytherin it was just like I don't understand how Slytherin could help anyone on their way to greatness because like everyone in the witching no world knows that Slytherins are jerks 
and for sure will try to like steal your company out from under you if you hire them they're like slimy and tricky and cunning that's not those are not qualities you want in an employee so how is it going to help you achieve greatness when when people know about you that you're like probably a liability you know even with that i mean i will have to say that there are slytherins that get shit done the things they want done are fucking awful but like i mean yeah. <laughs> like lucius malfoy was like working with the government on the fucking sport of directors got out of azkaban fucking twice probably you know and like that is because of nepotism and like terrible like inherited wealth <laughs> systems like if lucius malfoy didn't get born into money he would not have be in that position he he has money because it's just like rolling family money and who knows what his job is i mean yeah i i kind of figured he's just rich and doesn't have a job besides schmoozing but i, I also kind of but doesn't that put him at risk of not being able to leave draco an inheritance i don't know how wizards make money i don't i don't know what he does that would leave draco any kind of inheritance but i don't know art dealing i don't fucking know ah, yeah, um, shit like that i don't know i guess i sort of look at it as almost kind of like the the things that people say when they join like fraternities and sororities as being a benefit is that even when you leave school like you have connections you still have this like support system that that like you know you can rely on after school gets out a couple well-placed slytherins can make a really big difference for all of the future i mean i feel like i can't imagine harry being in slytherin just because i feel like the emotional support would be fucking trash and like i feel like snape is sort of an example of like i mean there are many slytherins that are example but I feel oh, like I've literally never thought about that before that even if Harry had like somehow made friends with Draco and then been placed in Slytherin, Snape still would have fucking hated him and would have turned his entire house against him. That would have been so awful. And shouldn't the sorting hat have known that, you know, I actually, I guess I actually wonder about that. Because then, I mean, but then also Harry would have the, like, peer influence of all of the Slytherin children to, I mean, I don't know. Snape just hates him because he looks like his dad. And Snape is a child. I don't, I don't think that that would have, like, him being placed in Slytherin would have stopped Snape from hating him. And as, as the head of Slytherin House, if Snape hated him, I think that would be pretty, pretty bad. (laughs) You know, I honestly, I guess I honestly am still not sure because you're right. Like, definitely a big part of the reason why Snape hates Harry is because he is, Snape thinks that he is so much like James. But I guess I wonder if, and I think part of that is also sort of Snape's in general intense dislike and feelings about Gryffindors in general. So I wonder if having Harry in Slytherin would sort of be the kind of jolt to be like, like this, this tiniest bit of like, maybe this kid isn't totally like, 
you know, James Potter. Okay, so my last note in education is that the tenure system at Hogwarts is super fucked. It's absolutely terrible. And Professor Binns is the best example of what is wrong with it. He is a bad teacher. Oh my god. He's a really, really terrible teacher. And Jude is being allowed to continue teaching when he is fucking dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Binns is like super incompetent, which is frustrating because in the course of this story, like history, like knowing history is so fucking important. And like Harry gets it so piecemeal and it's like, oh my god. Like you literally need this shit to survive in these books and you don't have it. Like, thank God for Hermione for being like, I'm a fucking nerdy bookworm because holy God. It's, this is one of those things where, I mean, Hermione takes notes, but that must require just a, the, a Herculean effort. I don't know if I've ever said that out loud. I don't know if that's how you say it, but because... I mean, I am a lot like Hermione. Like, I I cry if I get an A minus. I've got issues. I could not take that class and pay attention. There's no possible way. Probably, I guess I would probably sleep through class and then just like take really good notes in my books later and hope that I was taking notes on the right stuff. But I don't fault Harry and Ron even a tiny bit for not paying attention in History of Magic. Yeah. I mean, I assume that Hermione just re- has read the book already and it just being like, is he going to say anything that's going to fill in the blanks from what I read? He's not. Okay, cool. I'm going to, like, figure out how to fix everything just in my notebook. Or notebook. They don't have notebooks. In my scroll of paper. Parchment. <laughs> It's skin. I can't even with fucking parchment. I thought parchment is just like regular paper. No, I thought vellum it's not. is skin. Sometimes, like, so sometimes it is now. I hope to God they are not writing their fucking essays on skin. That is just, just sick, dude. Like it's bad enough with the quills and being like, can just bring some Bic pens into Hogwarts, like. I'm sorry, buddy. It's a synonym for vellum. Oh, no. Gross. No. <laughs> uh, I would just be like, can I just bring in a like composition notebook? Because like, this is not going to fucking work for me. And a goddamn pen. Like, like, oh, my God. Like, you can't fucking erase anything. You're like, you're writing it like fucking down. In a, and it's like, dude, okay. So... I have a learning disability where I like really can't spell anything. Like, what what are you gonna do? It's like, how are you gonna fucking spell this shit? Like, what the fuck? It is so awful. <laughs> uh Merriam Webster definition, the skin of a sheep or goat prepared for writing on, or strong, tough, somewhat translucent paper made to resemble parchment, but that's not real parchment. So I don't think that's like simulation parchment no. so i don't think that's what they're using Gross. i'm sorry it's a real bummer so <laughs> oh my god i would have rioted and be like i'm not fucking using the shit you guys can i get a note no. can i get a note to hand you a like fucking like get like a legal notepad or something i can roll up into it i can roll up into a scroll for you guys right <laughs> 
gonna, I'm gonna need those. I'm gonna need those lines. I'm sorry. This is not gonna work. There, pro- there better not be any fucking vegan or vegetarian students at Hogwarts. God, high school lark would have been freaking the <laughs> fuck out left and right, like eyeballs and whatever the hell else they're using in potions class, and like you're writing on literal animal skin. I could not have handled it. It is a it is a literal vegan slash vegetarian nightmare. So just back to education. Harry's class schedule. So this is in chapter seven. No, sorry. Chapter eight. Harry's class schedule doesn't make any goddamn sense. Like one day a week, he's staying up from like midnight to one question mark to like do astronomy. Like he's 11. I I don't think I don't think I could stay up until 11 when I, I stay up until minute when I was 11. Like what? Yeah, I had that in op-eds. I'm happy to talk about it now, though. This, over and over and over again in these books, we get this really strong evidence that they do not give a fuck about these children's sleep schedules. (laughs) They, like, I mean, Harry's going to get detention. That starts at 11 p.m. later in this book. And all the time he's getting detention, that starts at 9. I don't, maybe they get up really late. But probably not. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand how any eleven-year-old is succeeding in this in this school environment. I would... The other piece of the astronomy is that they have magic. Like they have a ceiling bewitched to look like the sky outside. Why can't you just go in a fucking magic planetarium to do astronomy? Why does it have to be the real sky? Also, it's winter there sometimes. Like fucking real cold winter there sometimes. Um, so they mention in chapter eight, Harry is like relieved that he's like not behind every, like a million miles behind everyone. And he even mentioned that like, you know, even someone like Ron doesn't have much of a head start, which begs the question about like, what the fuck kind of terrible homeschooling is everyone getting? Like, I'm sure like Draco is probably on top of his shit because he had some private ass tutors, like teaching the fuck out of him. Um, but so I'm just kind of like, I don't know. There, I feel like the Wizarding World maybe fails at homeschooling. <laughs> totally. Um, which is, which I feel like feels very weirdly like U.S. fundamentalist Christians who also fail at homeschooling. Uh, I was actually going to say it feels kind of Steiner schooly. I don't know you what know, that like, is. Like the Waldorf schools, the Steiner education system firmly believes that like children should not learn how to read until they lose their first tooth you know i remember hearing about that and being like what (laughs) it is (laughs) um just outlandish i'm kind of like yeah i just i actually i mean you're probably right about draco but i feel i get the impression in general that kids just aren't educated before 11 they learn how to read obviously like read and write um but it's just it's weird that Besides, like, astronomy and arithmetic, whatever you pronounce that, there's not really any math, which is weird. Right. Um, It just... You would think that even if they're not learning how to, like, learning other not magical education stuff, that they would at least be learning more about magic before they go to Hogwarts. Like, kids are 11. Like, that's a long-ass time to, like, be like transfiguration i don't know what the fuck how to do like 
anything about that? Okay. I mean, they don't even have wands before they're 11. Like, they don't have wands, but there's, like, shit you could learn. Yeah, like, you can I learn, like, his, like, history and potions and astronomy and at least some of the basic concepts of how the fuck magic works, which... How the fuck does magic work in this world? Who knows? But... You just speak Latin. <sighs> and they don't even, like, learn how to speak or, like, construct Latin. They just, like, learn the words piecemeal. Yeah. Yeah, I have to I agree with it. you. Yeah, I think um, what I really love in the in the Magicians, in the book series, they show just, like, how much practice and repetition you have to do in order to be good at magic. Like, it takes actual work, actual, like, physical and mental work to be good at doing magic. Right. And it's very it's very loosey-goosey in this world like <laughs> where it's like i feel like you read series where like magic like has a cost like magic costs things and you know there are reasons why people are better at magic than others and like really in these series it's very it really just seems to come down to like your dna and it's like okay cool but like what does that but it also kind of doesn't mean. because later, like at the end of the series, Crab and Goyle learn how to do like the disillusionment charm and fiend fire, which are both really, really hard spells to do. So it just, I don't, I don't get it. It's like, oh, Hermione's like so good at magic. And they mention theory a couple times, but like. They don't mention what the fuck theory has to do with your ability to perform the magic. I yeah. don't know. There's no rhyme or reason to it. I really don't like it. Yeah, I feel like this is kind of one of the instances in which, in my greatest, deepest fantasy, um, this book series is from Hermione's perspective, and therefore <laughs> we get all of the nitty-gritty details that Hermione would inevitably be like, okay, but how the fuck? Like, why? Like, how? Yeah. Because, I mean, I feel like harry's level of intellectual curiosity about what's going on around him in school is like not enough for me i'm just like why don't you question what's happening you're just like cool bro i'm like we've been talking for an hour and 25 minutes we've only done two sections (laughs) but we're gonna break it into two episodes i don't think the mini episodes are gonna be mini i think they're gonna be full episodes Welcome to the health and science section. Just my first thing is just the air quality in Hogwarts must be atrocious. (laughs) If you think that the stairs are going to set off your asthma, imagine being in a fucking enclosed space lit by torches. Oh, yeah. Probably be like, I need a mask. Please, someone help me. Oh, God, someone please help me breathe. All of the all of the heat and all of the light is fire. I really need to find a way to make my facial expressions translate. I am just like, <laughs> just fire inside. Is there just like a bunch of fucking torches in the common room? One, such, so bad for your eyes to be doing your homework <laughs> by firelight. Two, so bad for your lungs to be in enclosed spaces with just like a thousand fucking unchimneyed fires everywhere i see this is why this is why we need an inclusive society because you know what's rad electricity 
Electricity is so great. Um, I do wonder if, so like, you know, in this book we get mention of the like blue bell flames that like Hermione conjures. Like we could be generous and be like, maybe it's like a smokeless fire. Cause that seems magical. Cause right. The other option is fucking smoke everywhere. Like burning just like pitch or whatever the fuck right fucking medieval times which why do we think the lifespan was so short in medieval times probably because everyone was dying of lung cancer <laughs> left and right from lighting their homes with fucking torches yeah i mean i think one thing that one thing that the design of the movies does that makes me wonder if it's the same at Hogwarts, like in the books, is that there's like windows everywhere. So it's like, you're still, you're getting some natural light in, and it's not just like you're in a windowless room. I guess besides the potions class. Well, yeah, but not at night. I mean, not at night, not when you're on the fucking astronomy tower. Right. Um, I mean, and in the winter, like now, it's fucking five o'clock and it's dark outside. So... It was dark outside at four o'clock because it was the solstice yesterday. So they definitely have a good chunk of day where there's no natural light. And it's just like, y'all are magic. You can't come up with a better solution than like central heat. (laughs) It's so lovely. What a wonderful concept. I don't know how you heat a castle with central heat, but you're you're fucking magicians you know you're witches you can definitely do better than torches and fireplaces yeah i mean that's why you do that point you need that pointed hat to keep warm because there's no fucking central heating in the, in, in Hogwarts. you need a wool hat constantly for the entire year yep so before we talk about plants uh well i guess really talking about plants is that snape is such an incredible emo drama queen um (laughs) it's like i mean really his whole like opening to the class and your and your introduction of him is just like you really spent time like writing the most like cool slash goth like Bottle death and brew glory speech for 11 year olds. I can teach you how to bewitch the mind and ensnare the senses. I can tell you how to bottle fame, brew glory, and even put a stopper in death. So, on top of his incredibly dramatic drama queen speech, he also had some very hilarious language of flower coded speak to Harry, you know, dating back hundreds of years, like using flowers as a kind of secretish way to communicate with people. So like you have like, like images of flowers and those flowers would have meaning. And that'd be part of like, if you're sending like letters or you're having like heraldic crests that have like stuff on it. That was also like, you knew Harry wasn't going to get this. And yet you still had to, you still had to just have this flex. <laughs> Maybe he was hoping Hermione was going to get it. So, yes. So, so Snape asked Harry about uh, Wormwood and Wolfsbane and Asphodel. And in the order that he says them, it is basically like, 
regret, bitterness, grief, <laughs> and chivalry. And it's like, dude. Wow. He's he's like the dudes in high school who would like like write like song quotes in their notebooks and like try to pick apart like lyrics and it's like, oh it's really deep. Yeah. And it's like, dude, it's on the like alt rock channel. Like it can't be that deep. <laughs> it's like picking apart Papa Roach songs. <laughs> Cut my life in two pieces. <laughs> Sorry, I was making Evan listen to Papa Roach recently <laughs> because I was like, deal with how horrible I was when I was 13. <laughs> so. I somehow feel evanescence a little bit about like when like, like if you can imagine Snape walking in and then like, wake me up and say, like playing is sort of like. Yeah, well, both. <laughs> I think both, because Cut My Life Into Pieces is a very Snape song. Uh, And then also Broken Home. Fuck. Snape (laughs) writing the lyrics of Broken Home on his arm, like, all the way down. Did you do that? I did that a lot. Yeah. No, I just have tattoos that stand for probably the same shit that the lyrics did. Listen. Okay. I mean, tattoos are cool, and your tattoos are awesome, so, you know. Thank you. Um... I was gonna say something else, and now I don't remember what it was. It'll come back to you. Let's talk about Snape's live journal because oh my god, <laughs> yes. Voldemort's live journals. I just I feel so. His live journal definitely. He spent a lot of time on his. The moods were always the same. You know, because you could adjust your mood and like oh, listening right. to like he just had to pick the right, just the right song for like listening to on each of his live journal posts. Yeah. And then you do the thing where you use the lyrics of the song, but like just the right lyrics as like a coded thing about what you're thinking and feeling before you like write your journal entry. Yeah. Snape was a master of that. Um, Do you think that he did this like chose these things and then obviously obviously it was for harry right like that's a really good point that you made that like he chose these particular things and it's really interesting because it seems like he's just bullying harry but maybe he's actually doing this picking on harry as a way to like because he's hoping that harry will later go and do the research so that he won't be embarrassed like that again in front of Snape and then we'll get the information. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you think it was that intentional? I mean, I think it might, I think it definitely might have been intentional and I think I guess it makes me wonder a little bit about I think it makes me wonder if maybe if there's like a little bit of Snape is hoping that Harry is like himself is like a, and like a little more like Hermione Granger, which you came in like just, you done a ton of like random ass research because intellectualism of something is like a way to like cope. Yeah. And I think that the fact that Harry like just isn't built like that is sort of like an immediate disappointment, but also like a lot of expectations to put on an 11 year old. You know, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, a lot of it is that, like, you know, Snape's definite problem of, like... And I mean, a lot of adults in Snape's generation, to be honest, like, seeing... Not seeing Harry as, like, Harry, but as, like, a tiny version of James. Right. You know? What a burden that he carries, like, all of his adult mm-hmm. peers basically just constantly treating him like he's his dad instead of himself. Especially because his dad was, like... Like, on, on like, maybe not Dumbledore, but, like, McGonagall level in terms of, like, smarts and, like, and then in addition to that, like, I feel like James had the most in common with, like, baby Voldemort. Like, he's, like, the smartest and also, like, really charming and likable and, like, talented and, like, cool. Yeah. Which is a really rough combination of things to have to, like, hold yourself to when everybody's trying to push that on you but yeah but i mean also kind of a dick because like the marauders were assholes and were like they were assholes but they were still like cool kid assholes i feel like i i was a lot like them in high school in a lot of ways yeah i feel like and i think this comes also as a part is sort of my like snape empathy is that i was a bit more like Snape and that I was nerdy and smart but like not very popular and like awkward and like was having some like family issues which presented itself in like weird ways and just sort of like anxious and just kind of had that like you know how like kids can like kind of sense when someone has like a tender underbelly and they're like I can really easily pick on you like that was me so and I feel like so I feel like that like, once we learn, once more of Snake's backstory is revealed, is sort of, like, where a lot of my empathy comes from for him. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I have a ton of empathy for baby Snape. Because, like, that was me in middle school. I was popular in high school be- specifically because I went to school with only 400 other children, all of whom also were going to an art and writing magnet school. Like... <laughs> Had I gone to one of the other high schools in town, I would have continued being Baby Snape with more eyeliner, which I feel like if Snape had access to eyeliner, he too would have worn a lot of black I eyeliner. Mean, he, I mean, he came of age in the 70s. I mean, he probably wouldn't have worn eyeliner to school, but like, glam was a thing. Oh. So, I mean, not to say that he was too emo for that, let's be real, but. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. So I, I just to be clear, because I know there are a lot of people who love Snape and find him compelling out in the world. I have all the empathy <laughs> in the world for Snape up until the point that he starts veering toward Death Eater, right? And it doesn't come back post leaving the Death Eaters because he is still acting like a 13-year-old child. Yeah. But like his his childhood is tragic and he definitely like you know, ten year old Snape deserves a basket of kittens just as much as Neville does. So I mean I feel like Neville will always continue to deserve a basket of kittens. I feel like adult Snape just needs again to be kicked in the shins and sent to therapy. 
Yeah. <laughs> endless, order. endless, 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 twice a week therapy. Yeah. With like two different therapists. I think he needs like an EMDR therapist and then also like a, probably like some DBT. Cause he, at least at first, because it would like really behoove him, I think, to have like that, that workbook to like learn about like your like emotional intelligence and all of that. Cause he just literally doesn't know what to do with his feelings, but yeah still can figure out right just do some do some journaling not on the internet journaling that's not intended for like public validation (laughs) just some (laughs) self-processing all right well now that we've had some health part of health and science (laughs) yeah we did both good job us Oh, so I did want to talk about, I want to talk about peeves, but before that, because my really short one is just Neville melts a cauldron and Snape gets mad at him for it, but that's on Snape because he asked them to bring pewter cauldrons. (laughs) It's not Neville's fucking fault that he melted the cauldron. Yeah. I mean, also, that is literally your job as a teacher, but whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but also the fucking pewter cauldrons, it wouldn't have melted. (laughs) If you had cast oh. iron. Right? <laughs> God damn it. Anyway. Just bring a fucking lodge cauldron, fucking Dutch oven, and call it a cauldron and call it a day, everyone. Good point. Yep. Yeah, so just what is Peeves? Like, I I know Peeves is a poltergeist, but what they say the ghosts are like, he's not even a real ghost. I have never seen the movie Poltergeist, so I don't know like how folks distinguish between the two. Peeves can touch things and the ghosts can't touch things. So I know that like poltergeists are like kind of uh they're malevolent. Is that the right word? Not like not like evil spirits, but like I mean they're not trying to do good things normally. It's sort of like, you know, if you having like a haunting in your home is different than having like a poltergeist because a poltergeist is like, is like fucking shit up. And I think it also maybe has something to do with the fact that all of the ghosts have, and I mean, I guess we don't really know a whole lot about Peeves, but like Peeves is probably not his real name or maybe he's like not necessarily like someone died and became a poltergeist. Right. He wears clothes that aren't see-through. I think he's described like as wearing like they have color yeah and he can touch stuff i kind of am curious about like what in harry potter maybe what it is i don't know even like in our i've sort of always understood poltergeist to just be sort of like ghosts that just like aren't really mad but are kind of bored um all right so i'm looking this up on wikipedia (laughs) all right in ghost lore poltergeist is a type of ghost or spirit that is responsible for physical disturbances such as loud noises and objects being moved or destroyed they are purportedly capable of pinching biting hitting and tripping people most accounts of poltergeist describe the movements or levitation of objects such as furniture and cutlery or noises such as knocking of doors they have traditionally been described as troublesome spirits who haunt a particular person instead of a specific location. Such alleged poltergeist manifestations have been reported in many cultures and countries. But it's still just, it's still a ghost. It's just a ghost that, like, wants to mess with you. 
without being like mad, which is right. Like you don't need to exercise a poltergeist. You just sort of need to be like uh, a poltergeist. <laughs> but he seems to be very, very different, like structurally and whatever in Harry Potter. He's very different from the other ghosts. I mean, I guess it is a little confusing why there are ghosts at Hogwarts in general. I mean, obviously, ghosts like Myrtle, it seems to be like, where the fuck else are they going to go? Um, but I really, I honestly think with Peeves that he is there, I mean, maybe as a thing the Dumbledore is like, let's keep him around, because he is sort of good protection. Like, when Umbridge is headmaster, and he's just like, I'm just going to fuck shit up and make everything hard for you. It's like, perfect. And, and so yeah. it's like, it's annoying when that, that kind of shit isn't happening, but like for times when it's like Hogwarts is under attack internally, it's like perfect to have a like agent of chaos who like mildly gives a fuck, but like doesn't totally give a fuck. I'm right now just thinking about how just wonderful Peeves would feel to hear you give him the title Agent of Chaos, <laughs> and I feel like he would start insisting that that be what everyone calls him if he had heard you say that. <laughs> be like, Peeves, and he'd be like, that's Agent of Chaos to you. <laughs> uh, anyway, I just, yeah. I had a really fondness for Peeves, like, in, in that sequence of events, because you're just like, fuck you, Umbridge, you're literally one of the worst characters, so. Oh, Yeah. No, I mean, I don't really have necessarily a problem with Peeves being there. I just, like, don't really understand. I don't understand what he is. Because he's so different from, like, my understanding of a poltergeist IRL. Yeah. There aren't, I guess this is probably not a question we can answer, though, so. Yeah. Oh, I have a, or had, had a poltergeist for my entire life up to, like, my late teens, early 20s. That is mildly horrifying. You know, it was so normal to me. I re- So, do you want to hear the story? I do want to hear the story very badly. Okay. I mean, I have a lot of stories, but the way that I, like, found out, because it was just such, such a, like, this is normal, this is my life, that it wasn't until I think I was probably 11 I was at my dad's house and I had forgotten my bathing suit at my mom's house and I needed it because we were going camping or something. And so my parents were going to have to like meet up and get my mom, give my dad my bathing suit. And I was on the phone with her because she was like looking for it and she couldn't find it. I was like, well, I know exactly where I left it. It was, you know, on my bed, whatever. And she's like, it's not here. She's tearing my room apart. She can't find it. And I got really uncomfortable, but I knew that, like, I knew what was going on. I knew that I had to say it. And I was like, okay, I know that this is going to sound really weird, but I think that you should sit down on my bed and we should talk about something else for a little while. And then you should look for it again. And I think that you'll find it. And she got really quiet and she was like, baby, you have a poltergeist. Like, why have you never told me about this? And I was like, I don't know. This is just, like, totally my normal life. Like, my 
favorite Barbie was the biggest thing. I would like always put it away last at the top of my Barbie box. And then it would never be there when I went to like get my toys out. I would dump the whole box out, look through everything. It would never be there. I would put everything back away. I would go do something else for a little while. I would come back and it would be on top of the box. It was just like par for the course. So my mom and I talked for a little while about whatever. And then I was like, okay, it's been enough time. I think that you should look where I said that I left it and she like looked next to her on the bed and my bathing suit was there she was just like okay cool (laughs) that that is wild yeah and it was just it was just my whole life and it was like so much like whenever I would talk to people about it if they didn't believe me it would immediately be like oh yeah like one of my friends we were hanging out in my room he like checked his cell phone put it down we were talking about the poltergeist he was not believing me and then he went to get his phone and it wasn't there and we like tore the room apart and it was on a table like way across the room where we had to like get up and walk over to the table like 10 you know 10 feet at least to get his phone and it did it like three more times with his phone like in the next 20 or 30 minutes that we were hanging out and I was like so how do you feel about my poltergeist now he was like yeah that's like fucking freaky (laughs) welcome to our very first dear Hedwig advice column this week's letter dear Hedwig I recently got married and my wife told me that she's a witch we dated for three years previously to our engagement and marriage And I am blown away by this information and don't know what to do. I feel betrayed and heartbroken. I don't know. I should have written it down. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I think the one thing you're missing, though, is the beginning of, like, every advice column where it's like, I met this great woman, like, we're married, she's great, except for this huge thing, which she didn't tell me about. Oh, that's a really good point. (laughs) That's like how every Dear Prudence letter ever starts. Right? She's perfect. There's just this one thing. She lied to me for three years. We already have a child. What do I do? Please help. Oh, wait. Um, I think you need, like, a, a name for the letter writer. Like... Oh, yeah. Uh, I write in Ireland or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm dying. <laughs> bewitched bothered and bewildered (laughs) (laughs) oh god yes oh Oh, man uh, (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) okay 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 great well that's horrible I'm so sorry, letter writer, that your wife did that to you. I can't imagine what it would feel like to be betrayed in such a profound fashion, and I think that it makes perfect sense that you are feeling that way. To the letter writer, I would normally say that, you know, as opposed to just jumping right to divorce, that you should maybe see some couples counseling, but I think maybe you should just see an actual counselor for yourself to figure out if you would like to continue building a life with a woman who lied to you on such a fundamentally 
intimate thing and you know that's kind of important to you guys maintaining a like loving and trustworthy relationship so definitely figure out your priorities yes definitely go to counseling i don't know how you would talk to a counselor a couple's counselor about this particular issue because it seems like it would probably be difficult to get them to believe you you say you already have a child, which definitely complicates things. But it just seems like, how do you, how do you move past something like that? Letter writer, you should consider talking to your wife about the possibility of time travel so that she can go backwards in time and tell you when you propose to her about being a witch. Oh, wow. <laughs> Oh, wow. (laughs) I mean, I suppose. I suppose that's a a possibility. We don't don't have to use that part. I'm just like... No, I'm like um, literally sitting here being like... But I don't think that's how time travel works. And it does. In The Cursed Child, you can change time. But in, in the Harry Potter series... It works in the way where it's like time, like history is fixed. You time travel because you always time traveled, right? Mm. Like you can't go back and change it. It always played out exactly as it was. So I don't know that time travel would would work. I don't like the kind of time travel where you can change time. I don't think that this letter writer cares about my philosophy on time travel, which I have devoted a significant amount of time and energy to thinking about. (laughs) Okay. Well, letter writer, I just want to say that I am so sorry. I think that our advice basically comes down to talk to your wife, tell her how you feel, get some counseling, And think about whether or not you can stay with someone who is comfortable lying to you about such an important thing for so long. And if you can't, know that that's okay. And you don't have to stay with someone who betrayed you like that. Plenty of people co-parent without being in a relationship with the person that they are co-parenting with. So... Exactly. Do you have anything else, Jesse? Do you think everyone asks their, you know, when you're when you're dating someone, consider asking them about if they are a witch or a wizard, (laughs) just to cover all of your bases. That is a good idea. That is a good idea. You never want to be caught off guard (laughs) by the existence of a magical other world. Okay. Thank you for listening to part two of our episode on chapters seven and eight. We appreciate the heck out of all of you. It is super rad building this Harry Potter community with everybody. If you're not already, you can follow The Gaily Prophet on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the gaily prophet and if you're inclined to email your because you want some advice from another harry potter character email us at 
thegailyprophet at gmail.com. Yeah, and remember that email address also because we are still doing our sticker giveaway for leaving us uh, some good iTunes reviews. So if you feel so inclined, you can get a super great gay owl sticker of our logo just for leaving us a review. 10 10 of the first 50 people to leave us a review are going to get one of those. One of those 10 people is also going to get a rad t-shirt with our logo on it. The stickers actually showed up at my house yesterday. They are beautiful. They're just absolutely perfect. They're weather resistant. I put one on my car. They're fantastic. Yeah, check out our Instagram. Uh, We'll have a photo up there for you guys to marvel at just how beautiful they are. Yeah. Um, and also, so leave us the review, but then also email us a screenshot of the review. And that is because we can't actually find you just through the review that you left. Um, so far, all of the wonderful humans out there who have left us reviews haven't sent us a screenshot. So maybe we'll just read your iTunes review leaving name in a podcast when it's time for people to get their stickers. And then you can reach out and be like, hey, that's me. Uh, we won't have any way to track accountability on that if you haven't emailed us the screenshot, <laughs> but we will well, we'll find a way to find you and give you some stickers. Uh, I had something else to say about, oh, just, to, just because I feel the need to defend this uh, review leaving thing that we're doing, it's because everything that we read on the internet was like, you have to get... 50,000 reviews on iTunes within the first 30 days that your podcast exists. And if you don't, then your podcast will fail forever. And so in order to get that to happen, you have to do a giveaway and it has to be sweet. And so we were like, okay, how about stickers? So that's, that's why we're here. That's why we're bribing you to leave us reviews is because people who write articles about how to have a successful podcast use scare tactics to make us do a giveaway. (laughs) Uh, but don't anyway. focus on that. Focus on the fact that the, sticker, the stickers are sweet, and it'll take you not a minute to write us a review about how cool this podcast is and how it's changed your life, or whatever, yeah. <laughs> whatever your feelings are. Okay. On that, not even remotely <laughs> on that note, if you want to find me in between episodes and look at cute pictures of my dogs and or selfies and or pictures of me as a very very visibly queer child you can follow me on instagram at lark malachi you can also follow me on instagram at radical healer you can also go to larkmalachi.com that's l-a-r-k-m-a-l-a-k-a-i where you can find out about the work that i do with nutrition and life coaching and tarot readings to make people's lives better. If you want to watch me retweet funny slash political things, you can follow me on Twitter at jesse underscore Detroit. And if you want to see random things I buy at thrift stores, uh, follow me on Instagram at live from Detroit, L-I-V-E from Detroit. We also have a Patreon. I don't think we said that yet. Uh, It's also slash the gaily prophet and we are planning some really cool stuff for over there such as extended deer hedwig columns and um a witch weekly column where we gossip about non-harry potter related witchy things out 
in the world and other cool stuff. So you can head on over there. We have three, uh, don't, don't donate. Tiers. So three tiers, three support tiers. Uh, that I set at non-standard numbers because I wanted them to be witchy. So you can donate at the three, seven, or thirteen dollar levels because those are witch numbers, and I'm a nerd. <laughs> Last information: our theme song and spoiler alert song are both by Kevin McLeod. You can find information for that in our show notes. And our spoiler alert was recorded by Sarah Sarwar, who is amazing. Uh, is that all the things we say? Until next time. Section. Sector. Quadrant. District. District. <laughs> I am a thesaurus. Oh my god, that should this should be our outro. <laughs> <laughs>